Hi, it's Karen. And before we begin, I want to take a moment to tell you about something special. After my own cancer diagnosis, I realized the importance of having a helpful and simple resource. That's why I wrote Happiness Through Hardship, a guide and journal for cancer patients, their caregivers, and friends. Now, like a good friend, this book will provide practical tips and resources, as well as a few stories providing hope. If you or someone you know has been diagnosed, I encourage you to send them a copy of my book. Half the proceeds also go to the Cancer Couch Foundation, where 100% of the donations are matched and fund metastatic breast cancer research. Please go to prettywellness.com forward slash book to learn more or buy directly on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Target.com. And here we are. I want to welcome you to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. I'm Karen Sullivan, the founder of Pretty Wellness, a two-time breast cancer survivor thriving with stage four disease and author of the book that shares the same name as this podcast, Happiness Through Hardship. I'm also a girl who wishes on pennies. I try to see the good in everything, even when life is not so great. But sometimes it takes a little more. And this podcast will provide you with what worked well for me, success stories of people that have been through hard times and simple suggestions that brought hope, resources, and connections. Now, if you like these episodes, please do me a favor, rate, review, and subscribe. Your efforts truly will help this podcast get noticed and help us inspire more and more people. And now for this episode, I am honored to introduce you to Valerie Gordon, author, professor, award-winning TV producer, expert storyteller, and founder of the communications firm Commander and She. On today's episode, Valerie shares that we can fire our own narrator. Valerie is not only incredibly talented, she's relatable and really funny. So please grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and let's get started. I am so excited that author, professor, entrepreneur, former award-winning TV producer, and expert storyteller Valerie Gordon is back on Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. After 20 years of producing award-winning stories for ESPN and HBO, Valerie found communications firm Commander and She, where she helps women advocate for their careers through the power of storytelling. Now, a year ago, she shared her wisdom in episode 28 about how to plan your next career chapter, whether you're unemployed or uninspired or honestly just plain curious. Now, this episode was amazing, not just the topic, her tips, her expertise, and it continues to do really well to this day. Now, see, there are so many reasons for it, but Valerie truly is the essence of someone who is incredibly talented. And some of this includes just her art of teaching how different stories can influence how the world views us. In her book, Fire Your Narrator, she writes about how we all have an inner critic, a.k.a. an inner narrator, that impacts our lives, which can create or even take away opportunities that we really want or deserve. I am thrilled to have Valerie back on the podcast, inspiring us how to take charge of our lives and recast our inner narrative. Welcome back, Valerie. 
Thank you so much, Karen. Can I just stop for a second to say, I, as you're giving this amazing introduction, I'm looking around like, wait, who is she talking about? Is she talking about me? So let's talk about the inner narrator and why sometimes that inner story we tell ourselves doesn't always match our external reality because um, I should own that. I should own those accolades. And hearing you say them is amazing to hear, but I almost feel like, wait, is that is that me she's talking about? Well, and this is why, I mean, first of all, yes, of course it's you. And uh, if you're new to listening to this podcast, you may or may not know I used to work at ESPN and Valerie and I knew of each other then. We actually, our story, we became closer friends, sort of colleagues, being in this entrepreneurial space, both motivational speakers, authors, and we play off of each other quite well. So I know when I read the beginning of your book, I can hear you talking which is why I want to jump right in because as you were just saying, your intro, like, wow, is she really talking about me? This is how you talk in the book. It's as if people know you as a friend, which is why I think that it's it's wildly successful, not just the topic, but how you narrate yourself through it. And it's one of the things I love so much about you, Karen, is that you keep it real. And I feel like we have a really we have a real friendship. We can talk about the real stuff. And I and you want your listeners to be able to talk about the real stuff, the hard stuff, and keep it real. It's not false positivity. It's staying positive by acknowledging those challenging times. You know, the happiness through hardship doesn't pretend that we're happy. It acknowledges the hardship. And I feel like when I write, whether it's for my blog, I blog at Commander and She, or as I'm writing this book, I want to keep it real too. I want the reader to feel as if I get them. And I do get them because I think we all struggle with this. If you want to talk about a very common hardship, it is this idea that outwardly we look like we have it all together. Your listeners are undoubtedly high achievers, really successful women, always striving to better themselves, to grow and to learn and to love. And inwardly, though, we don't always believe those best parts of ourselves. And so I wrote Fire Your Narrator to talk about the power of those inner stories, you know, our own inner narrative and the impact that that can have on our external success, because we are so much more than what we show on the outsides. But oftentimes, many of us have sort of that doubting or critical inner voice. And of course, I refer to that as our narrator. So yes, let's dive right in and let's keep it real for your listeners and be real about the challenge of rewriting those inner stories and why it's necessary to do so. So I want you here, as you're saying all this, I'm like, man, she is such a great cheerleader to empower women with, you know, your books, your words, your work. And explaining, you just kind of touched upon it, but I might want you to dig a little deeper in terms of talk to us about our personal narrative. Because, hey, listen, my son's in seventh grade language arts right now. I know that they're learning about the arcs of the stories and the narrators and the characters and all that. But how are you using this when you connect with your clients or of all of these listeners? And what does it mean? Okay, so everything that I do is based in storytelling. And if you think about the three main components of a story that your son is obviously exploring in school, you have character, who the story is about. We are each the central character of our own story. 
plot, that's the action or what happens in the story, and then there's narrative point of view, and that's the tone uh, or voice of the story, how the author tells it. You can hear that voice in your head. And I like to think of the narrative point of view as our own internal narrator. So a lot of people call this the inner critic, but a critic to me is just one type of narrator. And in the book, I actually explore 10, and I know we're going to get into that and discuss that. But first, identify that own narrator in your head. It's sort of like that voiceover, that monologue that talks you through your day. And a good example of just trying to identify it would be that you get up in the morning and you're determined to have a productive day. You have a very busy to-do list. You pour yourself a cup of coffee, and before you can even take a sip of that coffee, you knock it over and you spill it all over your laptop. Okay, that inner voice. What did you just say to yourself when you did that? So most people, if you've spilled your coffee on your laptop, you know, they don't say to themselves, oh, you know, oopsie-daisy, guess I need to clean up. It'll still be a great day because I'm a wonderful person. (laughs) We don't tend to say that. We tend to say, oh, my God. Look what you've done. You're such a mess. I can't do anything right. The day is ruined. I mean, I'm taking this to extremes, but just so your listeners can sort of identify, it's that voice. It's that voice that jumps in and narrates the action. And the impact of that voice and why I call it the narrator is because as it narrates your day, it creates your narrative point of view, the way you view the world. So if you are someone who thinks that things in general don't tend to work out for you, you will be more likely to notice all those times that they don't and ignore or perhaps not give full consideration to the times that they do because that's your approach. That's your narrative approach to the world. And so this narrator that lives in our head is born from early stories, early experiences, And then as we go throughout our lives, we rely on that voice. It's almost like we don't even realize it's there. It's so much a part of us to kind of guide us through our day. The problem is if you have an inner narrator that is relying on old or unhelpful, outdated stories, or it's overly critical or doubtful or questioning, that can have a huge impact on how you proceed. So everybody has this internal narrator inner critic, whatever you want to call it. Again, I call it the narrator because there are 10 different types that I've identified through numerous conversations with audience members and clients. And I found they sort of put themselves into different categories. And the book allows you to map out your own narrator and understand what makes that voice tick and how to turn the volume down on it. Now, one final note before we jump into the different types and perhaps discuss your inner narrator as well, is that as I was writing this book, And giving tips on how to quiet your narrator. I have my own narrator on my shoulder, in my head, talking to me the entire time. And I did name her, call her Squash. She's like this very harsh, (laughs) weird Viking lady that lives in my head. And I call her Squash because she shows up at really inopportune times to squash my confidence. So even as I'm writing this book... And presenting myself as an expert on this material, Squash is in the back of my head saying, yeah, this book isn't so good. Nobody's going to read this, you know. Now, can I ask you, before we jump in, as you're sitting there telling the story about, you know, spilling the coffee on the laptop, I'm sitting here thinking, all right, so I know that I happen to be really hard on myself. 
In fact, I will tell you that that's something I maybe even pri- like would pride myself on when I was younger. Like, oh, I might be hard on myself, but it's a good thing because I'm so good at what I do. And, but I can't see myself, though I'm hard on myself, when I spill you know, green tea or whatever I'm drinking on my laptop because I have, I've spilled kombucha on it. That's not where my head goes. I actually, you know, I'm not like whoopsie daisies, but while I'm hard on myself in a lot of ways, in that instance, I'm not. So I guess my question to you is, are there, can we be more than one and have more than one narrator that almost contradict each other? Yes, absolutely. And I would say that's a sign of a healthy narrator. By the way, I love oh, yeah. the fact that while I spill coffee on my laptop, you spill <laughs> green tea or kombucha because that's just so on brand for you. So that's perfect. So yes, you spill your kombucha on your laptop. And here's the great thing about you, Karen, is that you have a healthy enough narrator based on all your experiences and all your challenges and who you are, that that inner voice Um, the one that's really hard on yourself doesn't come out in that circumstance because you're able to compartmentalize spilling your green tea on your laptop as a circumstance and not something that creates like an overarching character flaw. So I think that that's great that you have that ability. I would say most people, um, their first reaction is probably, oh my God, I'm such a mess. I can't do anything right. And that's a very relatable way to, to think of that. And of course we want that voice in our head to say, it's okay. You know, it's okay. It's just a spill or how we would talk to somebody else. So there are other examples I could give as to how to identify that voice. Like let's say you've finished a podcast recording or you've done a speaking engagement and it didn't meet your standards. You have probably what I would call a critical inner narrator, but it's also a striver, which is one of the examples that I have, always wanting to do better. And in and of themselves, each of these narrative types that I've identified can be helpful. It's when it overtakes the storyline and takes it in a way, in a direction that is not positive. That's why I need to say you, you, that's why I say you need to fire your narrator if your narrator isn't helping you. So, um, no narrator is intrinsically bad. It's just so ingrained in us that we don't even notice that it's there. And if you do notice, though, that you suffer from feeling stuck or feeling uncertain or, you know, feeling self-conscious, that's where you need to turn down that narrative voice and replace it with a healthier one. Ooh, can we talk about some ways? Well, first, I I would like you to identify, maybe focus on a few of these narrators and what they're all about. I want people to go grab the book and, and check out all 10 and see where they fit, whether it's a few or many, but also some tips on how to fire that narrator. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and each narrator is a little bit different, but I'll give you an idea of why I divided these up into different narrative types. Again, after talking to dozens of clients and hearing from hundreds of audience members, I heard the different ways they talk to themselves and the things that they say and the comments they made that they wish they didn't say to themselves. And of course, we do have the power to change the way we talk to ourselves. Um, And they started falling into categories. So again, most people think of this inner voice as an inner critic, and that is because that is the most common type, and that's how we speak of it, this this voice in your head that constantly criticizes or berates you or points out your worst qualities while avoiding all the good ones. So that is the most common type of narrator, but to me, it's just one of the many. And I'll give you an idea of some of the others. They all fit under an umbrella category of the unreliable 
narrator, which is something actually from literature that the unreliable narrator is a thing where the audience or reader has more information, let's say, than the, than the narrator who is telling you the story. I say that we each have an unreliable narrator because it's built from stories from our past that we tend to hold on to and repeat. So, you know, if you were told you were bad at math in fourth grade or you had an early, you know, rejection from a love interest, some of those things, those negative experiences tend to stay with us longer than they should. And they become part of our story and our inner narrator grabs onto that as to how it identifies. And so that's what I mean about stories from our past that continue to cause conflict in our present. So, okay, let's go through a few types. You mentioned, we've talked about the critical narrator. That's a voice that says, you know, you're not good enough, that is always sort of pointing out your flaws. You're a mess or, you know, you, you look fat in this outfit or that, you know, that inner critic, I think, sadly, a lot of women are very familiar with that. It's ingrained in us early and it is the most common type, but it is not the only type of narrator out there. Um, another one that I see quite frequently is the runaway narrator. Now, this is what I call a narrator on speed, where <laughs> something has happened that takes the storyline and it sort of runs with it into the future without fact-checking to see if it's true. Oh, yeah. And an example of this would be, let's say you're at work one day and you pass your boss in the hall and you say, good morning, and they keep walking and they don't even acknowledge you. A runaway narrator might take that scenario and start thinking, huh, my boss has never liked me. I know it. And there's something going on. I heard some talk about layoffs. I'm so going to get fired. It's a terrible time to be out of work. I haven't updated my resume in years. You see how that narrator is like yeah. picking up a storyline right. without any actual evidence of facts that maybe your boss didn't hear you. Maybe they were rushing to a meeting, but can run with the storyline. So that's a runaway narrator. And I know a lot of people who suffer from that. And there's particular tips that we could um, employ to stop a runaway narrator in its tracks. Another very common narrator that I see a lot of women struggling with are the overthinking, overthinking or over-questioning narrator, meaning yep. always on guard, always in your head, always thinking through, is this the best option? Do I have enough information to proceed? What if I said this? What if I tried this? And an overthinking narrator can hold us back from taking action in any number of ways. Picture yourself at a meeting and you want to raise your hand and offer a suggestion, but that overthinking narrator jumps in. It's like, well, maybe it's not such a good idea. Maybe you should think it through before you raise your hand. That can keep us stuck. And one other very common type of narrator, again, there are 10. I'm just giving you a few examples, but I call this one the people-pleasing narrator. This is the – many women I know have this where they feel that they have to take care of everyone else before their own needs – they feel it is selfish to put themselves first. This is so ingrained in them that they, are, they become givers where if they take any time for themselves, they admonish themselves for needing that time. That is a people pleaser narrator. And then because I brought it up and because I think you have a striver narrator in you, and I know I do as well, this is for all you high achievers out there for whom great is never good enough. We are always 
you know, we're so ambitious, which is a good thing, but strivers normally downplay all they've accomplished. Just like when you introduced me on this podcast and I thought, who is she talking about? That's not, that's not me. We have a hard time owning our accomplishments and we're always looking for what's next and what's more. And while that can be a good thing, you know, it is good to be ambitious and to strive. A striving narrator tells you that it's never enough. It never allows you to rest, um, you rest on your laurels or pat yourself on the back. And this happened to me just the other day. I returned to doing live speaking engagements. I gave a presentation. By all accounts, it went pretty well. You know, there's a few things to me in my head that I would do better. And I always leave thinking about what didn't go well and what I could do better the next time. And I never really stopped to congratulate myself on what did go well because of that striver narrator. So sometimes we need to remember that part too. And you see how each of these individual narrators can kind of take flight and run with the story in ways that aren't productive or satisfying to us. Well, and I, th- I think that is the key there. We all have various narrators, and I would guess that sometimes it's about the experience too and how we connect with it. Maybe it's an old story from when we were a child, or maybe it's something that happened more recently, and, and so our narrator goes a, a certain direction. But it doesn't have to stay that way, I hope, because we, it's, as you're explaining, we can get stuck in these stories or ideas that we tell our head, tell ourselves in our head. And if we keep going down that rabbit hole, we're probably in a place that we don't want to be. And it's not that we created it, but we enhanced the situation. Mm-hmm. And maybe that we're stuck or maybe we're unhappy or or maybe there's just something we can do about it, which is where you come in here with this book and with the resources that are connected to firing your own narrator. I would love to hear some of the suggestions and I guess pick a few of these narrators. What what would you tell your audiences or our listeners here on how they can make some changes? Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned it. It's really um, figuring out where did the story come from? Like, where did this belief start? What's the genesis of the story? So I have a few universal tips that really work for any type of narrator. And the book, again, allows you to map your own based on the 10 presented. You know, does this sound like you? And you would write, um, you know, O for often. That's a voice that you hear or a thought that you have often. S for sometimes, meaning that, yes, that comes up occasionally, uh, particularly when you're under stress, or N for never, meaning it's just not a familiar voice to you. And we are all multiple types of narrators. It's not like there's multiple multiple people living in your head, but it's, a, it's unique to you because it's unique to your experiences. Having said that, there are some universal tips in general that we can use for any narrator to kind of turn down the volume on the critical, doubting, or questioning unhelpful thoughts, voice, you know, the voiceover that's in your head, and turn up the ones that kind of cheer you on a little more. And so the first tip I have is name it. I mean, actually think of it as a character in the story, just like I've named Squash, this evil Viking woman that lives in my head. And she's still there, by the way. You know, she's, she's, she jumps in every so often, you're not explaining yourself very well, and no one's going to listen to this. And, and I, by, by knowing that that's squash and not really me, it's just like a, a combination of stories past that live in my head, I can kind of separate it from myself and from my action. And I can almost talk back in a way. And I know this sounds weird, but 
I can say, you know, squash, you're not helping. And I can force myself to think about things in a different way, in a more positive way, almost just visualizing this voice as a different person, as a different character, as an, as an evil character in your story, you know, or, or that lives in your head, picturing it and giving it a name um, helps to separate it. And by the way, it's also funny. I did this yesterday in a presentation with a group of people and we went around the room and people understood the concept, but they really came alive when they started naming their narrator and seeing it as someone different than their own thought process. So that's one thing that we can do. And I want to ask you, Karen, what would you name that overly critical striving voice in your head? Well, and I'm telling you, I'm thinking that as you're talking, I'm like, what would I name it? And I don't know. Let's, I mean, I love that you do squash. I wouldn't want to do squash. Um, like something like beat her up. Be, I mean, that's not beat her up girl. <laughs> like, like one word. <laughs> uh, like I know it needs to be beat her up, beat her up. I mean, because I, I do think just like you explained, sometimes in my head, like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Or, or I, like should have, would have, could have. Like mm, mm-hmm. I, I, I should a lot. And I know that that, can't be productive because the past is the past and and a lot of these things too for me are probably not even a big deal but in my head I I do what you had mentioned earlier is like so I made in my mind what I think wasn't even a mistake but wasn't me at my best and then I'm disappointed in myself and then you know, what's the result? I'm disappointed. Maybe this will say the podcast episode won't be as well. If the podcast episode isn't as good, then are people going to want to come back? And You know, like what you were t- talking about before. And the I runaway thought, narrator. The yeah. runaway narrator. And so what would I name her? I'm just going to say beat it. Yeah. Oh, that's, like, that sounds like, like Michael like Jackson. Just beady, beat beady it. or something. Yeah. Just beat it. <laughs> but it's interesting as you're describing beady or beat it, whatever we want to call her, beat her up. Um, you actually sound like you have a ruminating narrator, which is another type. A ruminating narr- narrator will revisit past events long after they're complete in order to sort of rehash and rethink them. What should I have done? What could I have done? What could be different? And a ruminating narrator can really keep us stuck in the past. It is good to review past experiences, particularly things you know, in a professional sense, what could I have done better? It's when we become stuck in them yeah. okay. or we can't stop thinking about them that the ruminating narrator gets in our way. So thinking of it as a, as a different entity, as, as, as BD or beat it, whatever you want to call her, as squash, as, you know, as, as Sally, as Louie, as Dexter, as Poopyhead. I mean, these were all the names that came up yesterday. <laughs> um, I think does help it. And it also gives us a little bit of humor. The book is written with a lot of humor. Again, I wanted to make it real. I want people to feel as they're reading it, like they're talking to a best friend who just gets it. And I get it because as I'm writing the book, I have squash telling me that nobody's going to read it and it's stupid. So I'm very real in the book about my own challenges with this. At the same time, I'm giving tips for other people. And so, um, obviously, the, the first was, you know, can we name this narrator to separate it? The second is to ask yourself a few questions. And I want to start with the really simple question of, is it true? You know, where is the evidence? If you've said to yourself, I'm such a mess, I never do anything right, or my boss hates me, I'm never going to get promoted. Like, where is the evidence for that? Because oftentimes we're making a blanket statement that if you really look 
you know, I never do anything right. There are times in your life you do something right. Now, if you get up every morning and every morning you spill your coffee on your laptop, you might have a little bit of a problem. But most of us don't do that. We take a single circumstance and we create this overarching character flaw as a result of it. So examine the evidence. Is it true? And who says it's true? Like, where does that voice come from? And oftentimes we can identify early experiences, you know, teachers or parents or um, rejections, failures, things that sort of created the story in our mind. And that's the voice. It's not even really us. It's that experience that we've sort of internalized and made part of our narrative. And then after that, there's two more questions you can ask. The first is, well, so what? so what if I spilled my coffee on my laptop? I mean, worst case scenario, it's ruined and you need to buy a new one. So what if I got irritated at my, at my kid for, you know, not putting on her, her socks in time for us to get out the door? It doesn't make you a bad mom. It means you had a bad moment. So once we can ask, so what, we can decide what's the impact of the circumstance or experience. And then we can answer the question, now what? What do I want to do now as a result? Maybe it's offering an apology to your kid, you know, or getting a spill-proof something for your laptop or acknowledging to someone that you didn't behave in the way that you most wanted to. You get to decide what comes next. All of our stories are just past experiences. It's only when we repeat them in the present that they become part of our future. And that's why understanding your narrator and your narrative view of the world is so important because it has such an impact on that future story. Well, I I think it's really powerful. And I will say from the part of the book that I read, I think it was about the narrator, the Judgy McJudgerson, uh, (laughs) and and that was a narrator that – it's that line of you're not enough. It may not be you're not good enough, but it's also like you're always hard on yourself for some reason, whatever that reason might be. And I liked how, you know, when you're talking about the facts, like one of the questions you had mentioned just now is, is ask yourself the question, like, is this real? What are the facts? Is this true? You gave a suggestion that I thought, like, it made me laugh if we try to actually do it. But I thought it could be really useful. Like if you, if one is a type of person that looks around in the mirror and is like, oh, I look fat. My clothes feel tight. My, uh, you know, so-and-so is so much better than, me, better than me on this. Or look at their numbers versus my numbers. And, you know, you're constantly comparing and hard on yourself. You suggest almost giving for the criticism, give a compliment Mm-hmm. And so when I read that, I was thinking about that. I'm like, wow, for, you know, for, for times when maybe I'm hypercritical of myself, maybe that's when I really need to just identify, like, you know, maybe it's you give it a name, like you said, um, you know, whatever, I, I, you know, I'm not good at coming up with names clearly from my, the, the last example we gave, but taking a moment and saying like, all right, I just said something mean about myself, but what's something nice? What yeah, is something exactly. that... You know, what's a and are you your being are you being your own best friend or your worst critic? I mean, how would you talk to a best friend who said who maybe said this to you, like I'm having a terrible day, I'm so fat, I can't do anything right? How would you talk to them? And why do we so often talk to ourselves as our own hardest critic as opposed to our best friend? So in some of the tips in the book, if you are looking in the mirror and you're feeling that way, you can say, Hey, Beatty, beat it. 
you know, yeah. beat it. You're not making me feel any better. And think about what is it you really need. Now, for a lot of people, it's hard to do a complete flip from feeling bad or hypercritical to feeling really positive. And I think in some ways that's almost like false positivity. So, you know, how do we neutralize the statement? So that we're not just, you know, saying, but I have a really nice personality. I have a really great collarbone, which, by the way, might be true. And absolutely, you should point out the positive parts of yourself. But you can also say, I'm having a tough day and not feeling great about myself. Like that to me is a fair and neutral statement and an objective one. It doesn't mean you will always feel that way. So separating the emotion from the upcoming action so that we can acknowledge, I'm feeling disappointed, I'm feeling frustrated, I'm feeling lesser than. And then taking a pause to think about now what? What do I want to happen next? Because you can choose to carry those feelings with you from day to day and keep doing the same thing over and over again. Or we can decide to compartmentalize, I'm feeling not great today. You know, I'm feeling a little down at the moment. You know, my inner narrator is beating me up. What do I need now? And yes, sometimes it is a little extra positivity and and cheerleading in your own head. And also actively authoring the next chapter to know that how you're feeling at the moment doesn't have to be how you will feel in the future if you take the steps to change the story. Well, and I also think that a lot of what you're talking about here, mindfulness tools, meditation tools can be really helpful because as you're talking about firing a narrator and starting to think differently is, is what you're really sharing. And there are mindfulness tools, which I'm, I'm sure that some of what you're going through in the book, this could be a compliment to it. If you're somebody who hasn't tried meditation, affirmations, like understanding mindfulness tools, those help in the rewiring of the conversations. Absolutely. And in fact, I do explore that in the book, of course, in my own way, because I did take a a mindfulness um, stress reduction course. And of course, I showed up with squash my shoulder (laughs) telling me, you're not going to be any good at this. You can't sit still. And so I do tell that story. But one of the tips absolutely is to be present or get present and sit with the thought, sit with the emotion for a moment before running into the future and carrying it with you. So you are 100% right. And a lot of the work that you do and the tips that you share with listeners very much go in line with the tips from the book about understanding, you know, your whole life is a story. And we have, you know, but you can't create a great external story if you're struggling with a faulty inner story. So start there with the stories you tell yourself and decide who's telling them and which are the valuable ones to hold on to and which are the ones that it's time maybe just to rewrite or reframe them or let them go. And I do have one final tip. I know you haven't fully decided on a name for your, for your narrator yet, but you know, ultimately we can fire our narrator and recast it. And so I do give some thought to this and I discuss it in the book that squash will always be with me. I don't know that I'll ever get her totally out of my head, but I can definitely turn down the volume. And when I think about who I would prefer to replace her with, if I could hold like an open casting call, all I have to do is change two letters. If I get rid of the SH at the end of squash, and I replace it with a D. Now I have squad. Ooh. And when I think of the squad that I want in my head, I think of those amazing female warriors from the Black Panther movies. Like, that's who I want in my head, cheering me on. They got my back. They got their spears. They're fierce. They're brave. Um, I would replace squash with squad in a heartbeat. 
So when squash is being particularly difficult and, and hard on me, I just remind myself of that, that I have the power to think about how I narrate my own story and how I talk to myself. And we all deserve a squad in our head that has our back. Well, can I say that as we're talking about this, and you and I, of course, because of our corporate connected background and because of the work you do, you go into corporations, you do presentations. Oh, you know, your book is perfect, if I can use that word, perfect for the corporate landscape, for those who are working. However, every single thing you just said also reminds me when you're going through hardship, you know, whether it's a chronic illness, you know, whether it's cancer, whether it's a breakup, whatever it might be, we still tell ourselves stories. And those stories, whether it's the runaway, like, okay, I'm going in to get a scan and I think it's going to be the worst, mm-hmm. or it's the, I'm going to be present. I am going to look at the facts the way the facts are now, and then I will move forward as deem appropriate. Like these lessons can really work to help you from a personal standpoint too. And it's funny because you and I are very connected in this because so much of what you're saying here is what I believe in. Like, yes, uh, you know, if you're new to me, uh, I'm living with stage four disease. My life can be a roller coaster. And I'm sure that you out there have gone through your own personal hardships too. And sometimes our mind gets, call it the best of us, and that's okay. You don't want to just throw in, oh, we're going to be a cheerleader in a situation that's really bad right now, and that's going to help. It's okay not to be okay, as Mm -hmm. you pointed out earlier. Um, However, if we keep treating ourselves the way we used to treat ourselves, nothing's going to change. And so these activities and directions that you give within the book, I think can help for anybody, not just someone who's looking to, you know, make a change or have growth professionally, I think it can work personally as well. I love that. And I've always felt that you and I are so aligned. I love having you as a supporting character in my story, and I very much want to be a supporting character in yours. And I think one of the nice things about having those supporting characters is that we can always see the best in the other person, even when they don't see the best in themselves. So when I know that like you're being hard on yourself and it, it hurts me because you're my friend and I think you're so talented and I don't want to see you be hard on yourself. And, and I know that the feeling like is vice versa. And so my suggestion is not only do you need those people in your life, you need them in your own soul, in your own head. And so rather than being your own worst enemy, your hardest critic, your biggest doubter, you know, why can't you cast that person in your own own narrative voice as well allow them a little space in your in your head too to kind of cheer you on so I do think you and I are so closely aligned even though our journeys are so different we have so many of the same beliefs and you know different ways in which we bring that material to our readers and to our listeners and and I just feel like I know you do that this is really your your life's work and it is because you do it so well and I'm just happy to play you know a small part in that and be able to share part of that story well I I feel the same way I'm I'm completely honored that you think that highly of me, right? Like we were saying at the beginning of all this. And when you were saying squad, well, I know you meant it in terms of the people, like uh, the visions of how you want to take on yourself instead of squash, there's squad. I also was thinking about how so many of us in the corporate setting and even in life, we've got these role models. We've got these people that we look up to that we want to be like. And we want to take on more of them. And I, I see you as that, as, as someone who I didn't know so well personally before, but I have gotten to through our our work 
gotten to connect with both personally and professionally. And and I want to say one other thing. If you would close out the episode with me, and you know from being a guest beforehand, uh, there's something that's near and dear to my heart. And some of the way that I stay authentically positive, and like I said, it, it's not always there day to day, but often is because I really focus a lot on gratitude, on the things that I'm grateful for and why I'm grateful for them. And that to me is, I will say, I play what's called the grateful game with my son most nights. And we talk about what we're grateful for and why, because it's a nice way to end out the night. If we had a bad day, it it ends on a positive note. And also, it's because we do it regularly. That's what, when you practice something and you make it a habit, we then go throughout our day and we start looking for positive things or things that we're grateful for in that day. Because yes, Mm -hmm. there are big things that we're wholeheartedly grateful for, but how about in the day-to-day? But as you, Valerie, and I have played this before because you've been on, what I'd love to do is if we, you know, I'll say go rogue, but maybe I need a better, more positive word than that is I would love us because we both have that narrative. What do you you call it? The achiever, the striver Mm -hmm. narrative where... We're only as good as our last, you know, whatever big project that was. And wouldn't it be kind of fun if we spend 30 seconds to share something that we're proud of, that we're like appreciate within ourselves that we've done in our career. We're talking kind of careers here. And for for you who's listening out there, I want you to take a moment to maybe what we'll say, we'll streamline, like to give yourself a pat on the back for something that you've done, whether it's something in the last 24 hours or something you've done at work. And so I guess I'll kick it off. And because your book is out, I think I will say, I'm really proud that I'm an author. It was never something as a little kid that I really wanted to do. In fact, the story in my head, quite frankly, was that I was just an okay writer. And I will tell you that that story has changed or I'm making it change because like anything, practice you improve. And because I write so much now, my writing is so much better. So maybe I am a writer. And I'm really proud of this book because it's my heart and my soul. And it's, it's a help to cancer patients and their caregivers. It's what I went through. And it's what I felt like I could have used back when I was diagnosed. And also, I give back uh, half the proceeds to the Cancer Couch Foundation. So it served as a fundraiser. So I'm really proud of that. Uh, I guess I'm going to leave it at one because that got me to 30 seconds. I want to toss it to you. (laughs) That is such a wonderful thing to be proud of, as you should. And you are an author and you are a wonderful writer. And I would say, I mean, there is so much to be grateful for, right? It's hard to pick just one thing. But as you were talking, this sort of just popped in my head. And it's just, it's grateful for the opportunity to always envision and create a next chapter. You know, I don't think I could have thought five years ago that I'd be doing what I'm doing now. In fact, it was four years ago that I launched my business really with no idea what I was doing. And it continues to evolve. And I get more and more excited about it because you realize, you know, nothing is set in stone. We have these identities and we think that, you know, maybe we're going to have this profession forever. And the thing is, you can always decide what comes next. I mean, that's what I mean when I talk about active authorship. I'm actually super excited to see where things go in the future. 
and how my business and my work and my words continue to evolve. And I'm just grateful for the opportunity to do that. And some of that, uh, you know, obviously is because of choices I made, but some of it also is about acknowledging the skills that I do have that maybe I didn't appreciate in the past or people I didn't work with appreciated. And, and now I understand myself so much better. So I'm grateful for that. And I hope for anyone out there, you know, you know that the next chapter is always yours to create and you focus on the skills that you have and the interests and desires and, and, and put them to use because that's what I'm most grateful for is the opportunity to have and be able to do that. Well, thank you. And as you say that, we can jump into a whole nother conversation, although quite frankly, that's our, our last podcast episode where you talked about for all the people that are feeling uninspired or don't know what their next chapter is, ways to tap into putting one foot in front of the other and helping figure it out. And you have given so many people hope in finding, I want to, don't want to say a better way because that sounds a little judgmental, but like a better way for them, the next step, the next chapter in whatever they're seeking in life. So, I mean, yeah. I, I and it, thank and you. And it always exists. It always exists. And I just want people to know that you're never, you're never, you know, you're never done. You're never done and you're never stuck because there's always, you can always turn the page and start with a fresh one. And it really does start with a story that you tell yourself in your head. It does start with that role of narrator. And so I hope that you will help prove my squash who lives in my head wrong, that nobody's going to read this book um, and go get yourself a copy. The book will launch um, October 12th, uh, Fire Your Narrator, A Storyteller's Guide to Getting Out of Your Head and Into Your Life. And if I may, Karen, just share that um, you can find information on my website, commanderinshe.com. And also I will have a website up for the book, fireyournarrator.com. And I hope that people people who read it um, get a good laugh as well as some good tips um, that will help them just feel better and change up that inner narrator, that monologue in their head to something a little more productive and positive. Well, I love it. And your Instagram, your social media, where people can connect with you as well. Yes. Um, so it's at Commander and she, I'm not as big on Instagram as you are, but I have been told that I need to be more present there. I'm on LinkedIn, Valerie J. Gordon, and also Commander and she has both a Facebook page and I'm on Twitter at Commander and she as well. So number of ways to track me down and to find out more about the book and certainly to visit the website, commanderandshe.com, where in addition to being able to get information about the book, I do blog about a lot of other career and storytelling work-life balance topics. Well, again, thank you so much for coming back again and sharing your story about stories and how we can all get that mean narrator out of our head and onto better things. So um, thank you for joining us today, both Valerie and for you out there that I am incredibly grateful for for all the listeners because it's um, it's really fun and, and hopefully inspiring to hear these stories and just take on some life lessons because as you know I truly believe that no matter what journey we're going on in life we have the ability to find joy and to take one step small steps towards better health and happiness so have a great day and bye for now Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to leave you with a quick thought, but first a request. Please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe. You leaving a review helps us with our podcast ranking. The higher we are ranked, the more people can discover our show. And tell your friends about us. If you love us, they might as well. And now, my parting words. 
As Valerie shared today, there are so many different ways to reframe our thinking or change our narrator. And as I mentioned, I found that meditation tools and techniques can really help. So if you're looking for some stress reduction and mindfulness items, you can check out some of my favorites in the Pretty Wellness Amazon shop. Just go to amazon.com forward slash shop forward slash pretty wellness. Thanks again for joining us today. I am sending you lots of happiness and great health. Bye for now.